Hello, and welcome to the Marketing Experiments Web Clinic Audio Replay Podcast. Marketing Experiments is an internet marketing research laboratory. The web clinic you are about to hear was broadcast live to an international audience of marketing professionals. Sign up to be invited to future web clinics, as well as gain access to all of our online marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Good afternoon. Here we go again after 10 years of research and clinics and yet another one is in front of us. This one is entitled Shopping Carts Optimized and uh, with the very precise grammatical subheader how a few tweaks led to a 12% more revenue across an entire website. I just want to say before we begin that we're going to be touching something that is particularly difficult. Uh, we're going to talk about a challenge that has... Uh, plagued more e-commerce and subscription and even uh, lead generation uh, based B2B sites who involve or use some form of cart than almost any other kind of uh, challenge we've seen. Because, you know, some people don't get to one point or another, but almost every site uh, involves people trying to affect the purchase or move through a shopping cart. In the process, we have spent so much money to get them there. It becomes a tragedy when we lose them at that final juncture in the, in the thought or the cognitive process. What can we do? I remember looking uh, at a retailer who drove 6,000 transactions a day through their cart. They said it takes us $22 to get someone in the cart, and we're losing 50% of those once they arrive. What can we do to stop it? That was the beginning of some of our most intensive shopping cart research. I remember the first experiment yielded 6,000 saved carts, and from there we kept building and learning and discovering how to optimize in the cart process. We're going to be looking at some of that today. If you are wanting to give us feedback, you can do so using uh, hashtag webclinic. And, uh, and then we're, I'll be joined by uh, Adam Lapp, our senior optimization manager, and Tony Doty, uh, another research manager in our group. Both of them have had extensive experience in this area and will be uh, gaining insights from them, not only as we talk through this process, but also as we start doing live optimization of existing carts. Towards the end of the, uh, of the clinic today, we'll be looking at carts that you've submitted and we'll be analyzing those carts in real time. For now, let's look at test protocol 1368 in our uh, research library. This was a B2C company offering uh, package vacations. And uh, the goal was to increase the number of people who complete their, uh, the shopping cart process. And, of course, the primary research question was which cart page, which design will generate the highest completion rate. So let's look a bit at the control and pay close attention because I'm going to ask you to help... Uh, help improve it in just a moment. What you're seeing in the main part of the screen on the right is the top part of the cart. What you're seeing uh, in just a moment will be the bottom half of the cart. But look very closely at the, at the top half. Today, I think, it, it, Adam, I was on the phone with two groups uh, asking for help and research with their carts, both in e-commerce. One had just spent an extensive amount of time optimizing their cart. They've gone through two years of testing, and yet they still felt that they were leaking in the process. I see it over and over again across the net. And the question again is, what would you do to improve this cart? Let's take a look at the bottom half of the page. 
So now you see the bottom half of the card. Pay close attention to the form design, to the images, to the graphics. And before you start uh, doing your best to improve this card, bear in mind that it's above average already. It's uh, reduced as many steps as uh, they felt possible. It's done the same thing with form fields. It's featured a single primary column in keeping with our research findings as a, as a kind of uh, best approach. And they've utilized third-party anxiety relievers uh, with uh, some of those important images in the bottom right of the page. This is a group that's paid attention to the things we've taught here in the past, and they've done all that they could to optimize their existing cards. But I want to ask you as experts to use uh, Twitter for just a moment and tell us what you would do to improve this card. You can also use the Q&A feature uh, in uh, GoToMeeting, and uh, that will allow you also to give us your feedback. Hashtag WebClinic. So you can use that, or you can use uh, the Q&A feature. And uh, let, let me see the Q&A if I could. Uh, all right. And I'm going to just kind of look at your responses. Tell us how to make this better. Uh, all right. Uh, there's no guarantee uh, the Better Business logo uh, would be should be there. Make it more attractive to look at. I could move the SSLS uh, cert to the right column. Is the nav in the left side? Ask Jan. Jan, you're on here so frequently. It's good to have you back. Show a picture uh, of the, uh, I couldn't see it. It moved too fast of what they have in the shopping basket. Remove the yellow color, says Sean. The multi-page form would be nice, says Brandon. Uh, Remove some of the white space, says Marcelo. Hyperlink to the item, says another. Uh, testimonies on the right side, says Stephen. Move or add third-party anxiety image above the fold, says Gary. These are all suggestions from the audience. Now, bear in mind that this card has been optimized a time and time again. Bear in mind also the enormous impact, and this is very important, the enormous impact on revenue that a lift in the cart will have. Please, please note there's a difference between getting a 10% improvement on the home page and a 10% improvement on the cart. A 10% improvement on the home page might get more click-through, but it doesn't necessarily yield 10% more in sales. But 10% more in the cart, 10% more completions at the cart level is direct to the revenue lines. So it's really important that we consider the leaks on the bottom side of the funnel as having a special priority when we're trying to optimize for maximum revenue. So working with the group, we prepared a new design. And again, this is advanced work. Some of you have been through a lot of our training and you've been in many of our clinics and certification classes and you've learned to see these pages and see some of the changes that should be made. This one's particularly challenging. Let's look at the uh, treatment. Here's a change to the top of the page. I'll give you just a moment to review that. We'll talk about it in just a bit. Here's a close-up of the bottom of the page. And uh, here's a list of some of the changes. We removed uh, the graphical bars. Never give them fences to climb over. Uh, we added critical images. We added pop-up product description. We added testimonials. And we added step indicators to help them understand where they are at in the process. So let's look at the control and the treatment. 
side by side. So there you see the left side is the control. The right side is the treatment. The changes are not that dramatic, but they're very important. Remember, you do not optimize websites or shopping carts. You're optimizing thought sequences. Every one of those orange bars serve as barriers in the thought sequence. The value of looking at a web page is only that it gives you a way to see into the mind of the prospect and get some sense as to what their thought journey or their thought sequence will be like as they interact with the symbols on the page. Uh, I am a philosopher by training, and I have discovered how important it is to pay attention to the page and to think of it only as symbols so that you can get deeply into the intellectual process that unfolds the journey as they move through the site itself. They experience something as a reaction to what they see in the page. If all you do is try to fix what they see on the page instead of trying to fix or guide the reaction, you can't get an optimal result. So in this first test, we've made just subtle changes to an already uh, advanced cart, and here's the result. It's a 12% increase in total revenue. So the new shopping cart outperformed the control by 6%, leading to a total revenue increase of 12% as the change was implemented across the entire website. That's a dramatic lift in revenue off the same spend. What does that do to your margins? So it's not just an increase in top line, but it has to be an increase in, in margins because whatever the marketing costs were associated with getting those people this far, they don't have to increase now to experience 12% more efficiency in the system. So that leads us to ask some critical questions and to consider some key principles. And the first of these is this. Shopping carts are not just a utility. Very important statement. They are the strategic means by which you, that's the marketer, maintain the forward momentum generated in the conversion process. I like everything about that statement, and I don't think I formulated it. I just think I talked it through with some of our leaders as we were preparing for this. First of all, in, in the past, we viewed the shopping cart as the utility. It's an exercise people go through after they've made the buying decision. In the early days of the net, we paid very little attention to the cart. I remember how atrocious PayPal was when it was first launched. It had strategic positioning, and from that they could optimize the experience, and eventually they changed it, improved it, and they could improve it still again. But the thinking in the old days was very simple. Okay, we've got the sale. Now let's get them through this process quick. Quick, however, meant let's get the money in the bank quick. It didn't mean that it was easy or quick to move through the cart. I was uh, reminiscing with the heads of one of the largest media companies in the world about three weeks ago because we'd done research with them, I don't know, seven to ten years ago, probably about seven years ago. And, and we talked about their earliest cart because they just launched the new cart. And in the new cart, you're through the process rapidly. But I reminded them that when we first began research with them seven or eight years ago, <laughs> the cart took 18 pages before you could complete the order. No one was thinking about an 18-page card as a problem. You don't know how much the net has changed or how much our, our, our optimization IQ has increased over time. Today we pay attention to that. We try to shorten the card. We try to make it simple. We've learned that. But there's still major mistakes we're making. And 
that second sentence in this key principle is very important. It says that carts are a strategic means for you to maintain or even increase the forward momentum. And that forward momentum is generated before they get to the cart in the conversion process itself. You need to think in terms of momentum, which leads me to a question. Let's suppose you're attending this clinic now and you know your cart needs an improvement. By the way, if you are attending this clinic and down inside right now, you have this deep insecurity about your existing cart. In fact, you may be starting to twitch as I speak because you've known for a long time that your cart is subpar. Uh, you might be encouraged to know that we rarely see a cart on the Internet that's been fully optimized and that right now the, uh, the standard is below standard. The standard itself is subpar. If we were grading you on a curve, you might be doing okay. The problem is the customer is not grading you on a curve. The customer expects the experience to be as painless as possible. And we're making some big mistakes. So, let's suppose that you've optimized your, some of your key landing pages. You may have optimized your home page. But you've known all along you've got to get to that cart. And you're finally at the place where you've got the budget set aside. Uh, you've got through the Christmas rush. And you've got several months ahead. And you're going to do something about that cart. Where do you begin? What guides your decision process? What is, the, what is the methodology that you employ to make certain that the design of the card is right? Can you use the sequels 4M plus 3V plus 2I minus F minus 2A formulation that we use in our conversion heuristic? Is there a better heuristic? I want to, get, I want to back up even before that and just say, how do I even think about my card? And to do that, I'd like to start with one consideration. Do you optimize for design? In uh, the second stage of the Nets evolving, we went from optimizing, you know, really just getting a website. You remember just getting a website up was a big deal. A lot of people didn't have them yet. And then you had your website. And, and we had atrocious websites and atrocious carts. But once you had a website, do you remember how hard it was to get a merchant account? Once you had a merchant account, do you remember how difficult it was to create a gateway and get where you could process? It was a painful, difficult process, and it was more an issue for programmers than it was for marketers. You were just thankful to be able to accept credit cards online. In fact, you bragged about it. You would put the image of the credit card all over the card to kind of reassure people that you could take their credit card if it was an American Express, not just a Visa. Many sites couldn't do that. I remember when they literally said, print this page, remember? Fill out the form, send the form in with your check. That's how we used to try to guide the shopping experience. In other parts of the world, it's still that way. Do you know we, we optimize a major retailer in uh, Italy, and 90% of their orders are COD. Still, no credit cards. You pay at the door when they deliver. And this is a, one of the largest retailers in Italy. Which, uh, which brings me back to the, to the next stage in the evolving Internet. We got pretty. Or at least we, we tried to get pretty. We got designs. We had color. We started using images. And we started trying to beautify our ugly websites. Then, I, I won't go on, but at some point, somebody discovered the amazing, the amazing um, potentialities and attributes of Flash. We didn't just get pretty. Then we started making major motion pictures on our websites. We started using all kinds of movement. 
Many of us have done all of that and our sites are still not performing right. So, how do you optimize for, for a shopping cart? Most of you know that design itself is not the standard. But what about this? I mean, you know, it's true there's going to be some design connected to your brand. It's true design does play an important part, but not the important part. What about metrics? Perhaps you should optimize for the metrics. Well, uh, clearly, in our work, we, we optimize the funnel and we measure the drop-off rate at every stage of the car. So design is important, and metrics are important. But others focus with or on a third element, and that's the revenue. Now, I think that you should optimize for, in probably order, revenue, then metrics, and then design. But it really isn't any particular order, because if your metrics are wrong, your revenue is down. Of the three on this page, metrics just help you understand why your revenue isn't what it's supposed to be. And I would say you should pay attention to all three of these throughput lines, but there's something far more important if you actually want to intensify your conversion rate, if you want to improve your results. And that's that you should be optimizing for cognitive momentum. Cognitive momentum. Take a look carefully at the slides that you have right now, or this particular slide that's on the screen. And what it's doing, and you've got you to think about the green and the red. Whenever the movement is up, we see green. Whenever there's a drop, we see red. Think about the bar as representing the momentum in the, in the mind of the prospect as they're moving from prospect to customer. They're not a customer yet until they've been through this entire process. If you treat them like a customer before you start the process, when they click the buy button, they'll never become a customer. A large percentage of them will not complete the process. If you want them to complete the process, you've got to engage the visitor, lead them through and to the most relevant value, obtain a conversion commitment, and now they're moving forward in their mind. It's like a journey. It's like an unfolding story. And you must maintain that cognitive momentum all the way to the end. The overall objective of a shopping cart is to maintain as much forward momentum as possible from the product page to the thank you page. The goal is to ensure the visitor satisfies the version or conversion commitment. I've often taught it like this. Some of you may have heard it before. I'm, uh, I'm leading this event from our offices near the beach. We're in Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. We have offices in other cities, but that's the difficult place where we're forced to work. And I'm wearing, I know, you see a picture of me in a suit. It doesn't even look like me. I'm much more handsome and svelte and have a lot more hair than what you can actually see in that photograph. Uh, also, I'm not in a suit, and I'm wearing flip-flops. I hate to say that. Austin, however, who you've heard of before on these calls, is wearing a brown suit coat with uh, a T-shirt and a red ball cap. But we're just thankful that... Um, he makes it to work. <laughs> the, 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 the reality is we like, to, we like to surf, we like to fish on the beach, and if you go down to the beach right now and decide you're going to catch fish, you've got a few things you've got to do. You've got to find, you've got to be in the right place. 
On our beach, there is a there's a drop off that's close to the shore and kind of like a like you might say a ditch in the water. This this forms a, on the edge of a sandbar, a long ditch on the inside of the beach. And if you can cast on the edge of that of that kind of uh, trowel, what you'll find is that so many of the fish school moving right through the trowel, just like a channel, just like what you do when you're marketing. When you are at that trowel, you want to make certain that you cast at the right location, but you must also you must also have the right bait, obviously. And it might be a lure, it might be live bait, but whatever it is, if you have the right bait, you have the chance that a fish might strike. And here it's not uncommon on a good day, for instance, when the blues are running to catch fish after fish after fish, and sometimes large, even red bass. This is Florida. And uh, here's, the, here's the problem, though. Once the fish takes the bait, you have to set the hook. Once you've set the hook, your work isn't over. It's not like you can set the hook and then take the rod, set it on the sand, sit back in your lounge chair, and drink a beer while you wait for the fish to swim to shore. But that's precisely how many of us are marketing. We make sure we're in the right channel. We make sure we have the right bait. We make sure we set the hook. But once the hook is set, we put the rod down. And if you put the rod down, here's what happens. The line loses slack. The reason a fishing rod is flexible is so that the line will be held taut and the fish will fight the tip of that rod. If the line goes slack, the fish can spit the hook out. So an expert fisherman does everything they can to keep the rod tip high as they're fighting the fish. The goal, the reason you keep the rod tip high is to keep tension in the line. Now how does that connect to all that we're saying today? There is a tension in the line that must be kept all the way through the cart process. And that tension is closely associated with this neural concept, this cognitive momentum. So let's learn more about it. Because there are three chief impediments to conversion momentum. There are three ways, three obstacles, three problems that can keep you from getting enough tension in your line. Now, if we were fishing, and this is not in my notes, I can tell you that, for example, even if you're trying hard to keep tension in the line, if the fish jumps out of the water, instead of holding your rod up high, you have to put your rod down low and actually put the tip of your rod in the water. Why? Because when the fish comes out of the water, there becomes slack in the line, they can spit the hook out. When you put the rod tip down, you, you take the slack out. You could also have a problem with tension in the line if your drag isn't set properly. There, there are other things we could say, but when you're trying to land a fish, there's some impediments. There's some things you, you better watch for or you'll lose the fish. Let's go forward and let's look at the same concept when we consider what we're learning about marketing. There are three chief impediments to the conversion momentum in the shopping cart. Today, we have a limited amount of time. We're trying to teach a concept and now we're moving from the abstract and the conceptual down to the, to the practical and the pragmatic. We want you to actually learn something that you can use right away to evaluate your own car. So I've got to be careful. I have only a limited amount of time, and I want to engineer that time in, in the best possible way. First of all, by helping you take and learn three of these impediments, these three ways that you can leak revenue in your car, three Obstacles, three problems. 
Then we want to look at those as we tighten in and focus on landing pages, I'm sorry, carts that you've submitted for us to review. And that's where Tony and Adam will help me in just a few moments. But now, in as few words as possible, let's learn these three. The first one is assumed value. And I'd like to teach you that one in, as, as we start. The other two you may immediately recognize and think you understand them, but bear with us because they're more nuanced than it might first appear in the name itself. Unaddressed anxiety and directional void. We'll explain all three of those to you in the balance of time that we have today. Let's move to the first, assumed value. This assumed value closely connects with the concept or the, the illustration I just used of the fishing experience. It's like assuming once the hook has been set that the fish is going to swim to shore. But the fish doesn't swim to shore on their own. You have to keep tension on the line. So how do you do that? Well, part of that is making certain that you're communicating value all the way through the purchase process. So let's look at the original shopping cart. It includes some value about the company. See, they're already doing some of the most important things we recommend. They're trying to do it. Some of you say to me, well, show me a cart that's good or a landing page that's doing well. This is a good cart. It's a good example. doesn't mean it can't be improved. Value about the specific product being purchased is not being carried through in the cart. And in the end, this cart is still really assuming that the value established in the earlier part of the process remains in the mind of the buyer, but it is leaking rapidly with every second that passes. In any purchase process we've been engaged with, and I say this as a generalism that bears more testing, and this would include how quickly you respond to a lead or how quickly you, you close a proposal once it's been submitted. The longer the time that passes, the lower the odds of closing. Because every second, uh, cognitive momentum begins to leak. So let's look at a bit more of this card. In the optimized version, there's a powerful image related to the product order. And key value about the product is included in a hover-over pop-up box. Look very carefully, and you can see how the value has been intensified. It's not exhaustive, but it's enough to maintain the key momentum. So, to maintain momentum in the shopping cart, you need to express the value proposition continuously for every action you require of the visitor. Never assume your customer is completely sold in the cart. So, it's not this. Here's a lovely cart. Not this either. But this. Core value is communicated in the shopping cart. It's emphasized all the way through the vertical layout. There are many things about this cart that are superior. So let's just stop there and touch a question. Someone has asked, how effective are promo codes or free shopping or free shipping incentives? That connects to, a, that connects to an exhaustive conversation that occurred yesterday. It wasn't exhaustive. It was just exhausting. Uh, we were working... We were working in the chapter of a book we're releasing uh, on optimization, and we were talking about incentive. And one of the things that I taught uh, or we, that we discussed in the, in the room is that if the incentive doesn't have its own value proposition, it's questionable whether or not it's actually a classical incentive. 
And if you have to be careful, because if your product's value proposition is so weak that you need the incentive's value proposition to affect the sale, you may be masking weaknesses in your core offering with your incentives. Nevertheless, um, incentives are powerful and effective. And some people would classify free shipping as an incentive. The only thing I would say to you is what free shipping really is, if you think about it technically, is a reduction in cost. And that's not additional value. That's less cost. And so it needs to be thought of in a different way. But how effective are they? It can be very effective. Obviously, the lower the cost, the higher you stimulate market demand as a general rule. If you reduce the cost to nothing, you'll probably see a few more sales. All right, let's go to impediment number two, unaddressed anxiety. So let's think about that for a moment because we've all learned how lethal anxiety is. If you've been in any of our sessions, it's, it's potent. We've said that anxiety is often irrational, that you can't correct it, that you must overcorrect it because unlike friction, it's not necessarily a rational response. It's often the fact that the fear is disproportionate to the threat. That means especially in the cart, you can't afford to leave any anxiety that you haven't addressed and even overcorrected. So look at this cart. In the original, anxiety about the safety of the shopping cart is addressed because remember, this page we optimized was already a, a, a reasonably good page. But there are still unaddressed concerns about the actual product. Is it worth the price? Will I have trouble with the tickets? Can I really make it to all of the parks? In the optimized shopping cart, we add a customer testimonial that specifically addresses these concerns, and it does so in close proximity to the call to action. You look at the testimony. Enjoyed all five parks on the flex ticket. Ticket is really easy to use and quick at park gates. Standout rides include the Kraken, the Mummy, and Men in Black. That's a powerful testimonial. And it's an example of something we teach here, and that is that you don't simply grab the most exciting testimony you find and throw it on the page because it sounds good. You need to closely coordinate the core messaging of the testimonial with the juncture in the thought sequence that someone is experiencing. That testimonial earlier in the site wouldn't produce nearly the impact that it does right here at that moment of concern. Here's the second point. Anticipate specific concerns related to the product and preemptively address them with geographical proximity to the core source of the concern. I know that's a long, academic-sounding sentence, but what it really says is that chronology in the mind is closely related to the geography on the page. This is why multi-columns are, are such a danger to conversion. Because you can't control in sequence, in order, your presentation and match it to their thoughts. So you must understand how to identify the very specific root of anxiety. And then before they get too angsted, it's important to preempt anxiety. You touch it right there at the right place on the page. In many cases, we can generate a conversion lift not by adding or subtracting, but by simply moving around the elements so that they appear on the page at the right time in the thought sequence. These are specific concerns that customers often have, and these are specific corrections that can help us with those concerns.
quality, reliability, security, and price. All of those can be addressed with some of the examples on this page. Now let's look at proximity. Here is uh, a close-up. Pay close attention to how on this left side, the 30-day money-back guarantee, the 110% low-price guarantee, and the free shipping are right here on the page at the point when they're about to make the final decision. Many of us advertise free shipping at the top of our homepage near the banner. Often we make the mistake of advertising it in the banner or above the banner where there's blindness. And in some points, this free shipping advertised there will have some impact and be somewhat helpful. But the truth is, until I've decided to buy your product, free shipping is of no value to me whatsoever. So the truth is, it's very important that you especially emphasize it right there near the buying decision. I'm going to move to another example on the same page. See where the SSL certification? I remember how we moved this certificate to strategic places and saw an increase in conversion. It needs to be right there next to the credit card request. Here is another from a site we worked with to increase the amount of donations and the, uh, the dollar amount of donations for uh, an Alzheimer's site, I believe. And if you'll look where it says send by donation, right underneath it are all these credibility indicators because of the specific anxiety about giving online. Now, there are a lot of questions this raises, and I understand that you may have many more than we can answer yet. Hopefully, we'll be able to answer some of those at the Optimization Summit if you're going to be there and in subsequent clinics that we're going to be delivering here. Uh, one person just wrote us, Mark, and said, how much does live chat increase card optimization? I think live chat done right is a wonderful way to increase conversion. I'd be careful, though, about having a call center in India. No offense to our Indian listeners, but some place where it's far away and they're on different hours or the response is so canned that it can't be interactive enough to be helpful. I've seen live chat executed poorly, but executed right, it can be very effective in terms of increasing conversion. And I have a point, I think. Adam, are you wanting to speak? Go ahead. Sure. I just wanted to mention that for both impediment one and two, uh, the corrective measure was adding things to the page. And uh, some of the audience may be thinking, you know, is that too much? Is it necessary? Uh, well, the key point to remember is for uh, a lot of your segment, it may not be necessary. They will convert either way with it on the page or with it not on the page. But we're optimizing for the group that is hesitant, that needs that just extra push to get through. Um, and so as long as it's not exhaustive, as long as it's not cumbersome, um, it can be very effective for that uh, less motivated uh, audience type. Excellent point. Very good point. All right, so I'm going to move to the third piece, and this is called a directional void. Now, let's look at, uh, at, the, at this card. Here's the original page that we saw in the beginning. Remember, this was a, a fairly optimized page to start with, but this page breaks the checkout process into multiple blocks with strong graphical elements, bars, and boxes. This stops the natural flow of the page, which interferes or impedes the mental flow associated with the page. It also makes the process seem longer than it truly is. Let's look at uh, the optimized version. In the optimized page, we minimize the visual breaks in the overall flow of the page, and the original five disconnected steps are organized into three more intuitive categories, shopping basket, delivery details, and payment details. In the optimized shopping cart, 
steps are numbered, X sub 3, to lead the customer through a clear sequence of conversion. Granted, if you had 21 steps, I'm not sure you'd want to say step 3 of 21. But the point is to have as few steps as possible and then to tell the customer that. I have often called an order process something like our three-minute order process. I have literally put a stopwatch, ran ten people through it, took an average time, and then underneath that set in brackets in, in testing, on average, this process takes 3.2 minutes or 3 minutes and 15 seconds. Do you know how much anxiety relieved when you see that? It's a tremendous relief for me because I just don't have the time. Why is Amazon getting so many orders in their system? Because of that one-click feature. Because they already have your information. Do you know how many shoppers right now are going on the Internet, finding what they want, then going back to Amazon, clicking it in the search box, and then hitting the one-click button to buy it? It is a masterful stroke on their part. What they've done is created ease in the process. So here's a third principle. In gray, you have the principles we taught earlier. Let's add a third to those. Match the cart to the customer's sequence of thought by answering two questions at each transaction. Now remember something. Uh, we've taught this before. Every single time someone transitions, there's a moment of orientation. And when it happens, they're not sure. They're, they're a little bit unclear as to whether they're in the right place. You've seen it on the web. Try buying something from Microsoft. No offense, Microsoft. <laughs> but sometimes in the past, you can get so lost trying to, because you're not sure am I in the right place. Uh, and the next question is, what am I supposed to do next? Or what can I do here? Now, there's a third one that we teach when we talk about value proposition. But for this point right now, these two questions are important. In fact, the first four inches of your home page should answer these three questions. And of every landing page, where am I at? What should I do here? And why should I do it? You know what? It doesn't do you any good to persuade me to do something when I don't know what it is you want me to do. All your claims matter not because I can't connect them with the action you're asking me to take. It's amazing how many websites talk about their quality, their service, their this or their that, and I'm still not sure what I'm supposed to do on the page. Do I fill out a form? Do I wait for you to somehow discern with the psychometrics that I've been to your site and so you're going to call me at night after you've consulted with your crystal ball? Do I, do I, I mean, I don't know what to do. You look all around. Uh, and that's because the page has no iPad, there's no vertical flow, and these questions aren't being addressed in a rational way. Where am I at? What can I do here? Why should I do it? We've often represented those questions in this diagram, and we've taught in the past that we work so much on our call to action, but most of our, most of our site visitors never get to our call to action. And we've got to optimize the first seven seconds, the first four inches of the page, uh, and give it, it a lot of attention as well. That brings me to an example of not this. Austin's being tricky today because the next one is a not this also. Uh, for 20 years, Austin, it's been not this but this, not this but this, not this but this. And today he starts to throw in these uh, curveballs at me. Yeah. Uh, so I have a not this. Six distinct calls to action on the same page. Then I have another not this. Poorly sequenced iPath. You see how you have to move and down the page in order to get through the process. But this, a step indicator, a clear eye path, and a single call to action. This is called 
directional void. It's an error when in the thought direction you create a void that stops them and you lose momentum. These are like black holes along the way that you can get lost in. You've got to avoid all of that to get people to move to the cart rapidly. All right. We have then said there are three of these key principles. Let's take these three principles, these three Hey, the principle is to avoid the impediment. And we identified the impediments. The last one was directional void. And going backwards, the, the middle uh, principle was what, Adam Lapp? Assumed anxiety. Uh, no, unaddressed anxiety. Unaddressed. We got him, guys. We got Assumed him. Value. We got him. He's not even really paying attention. He's over there texting. And the first one was? Assumed value. Assumed value. Now, I asked Adam the question because I don't remember either. I, I, I just read the scripts. Um, let's let's look at live op now. Before I do that, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a make an attempt at um, sharing something with you brought in by the head for the live optimization summit, and we we all joked about this afterwards because here's the reality. Um, what I'm about to say sounds like sales language. If it were honest and we could use it to drive sales, we would. But it didn't come from there. It came from the head of the event who came in here and said. We may not be able to offer what you're seeing here now because our tickets have sold at about twice the pace we thought. We're about to be sold out, and we can't extend this offer if you don't, uh, if you don't take it rapidly. Do I hope that moves some of you to purchase tickets? Yes. But it is also the truth, and uh, we, we're not sure how many, much, how many more days we'll even have the event open for uh, purchases because we expanded the space, and now we just have nowhere else to go, and we can't, we can't accept more seats. I'm glad to have that problem, and it's also a convenient way to, to try and move you to purchase a ticket. But uh, our, our greater concern is that you're going to try to, and it'll be too late. And uh, we'd, we'd like you to be able to be there. We, we really want this audience, the people who run our clinics over and over again, to be at this event. We want to meet them face-to-face. -face. It, it fosters greater community among the people who have been uh, some of our most avid readers and, and students. Let's keep going. Live ops in front of us. Here's a page submitted. It was submitted by, uh, let's move the question bar if you could. It was submitted by Amy, and, um, and uh, I'm looking at a cart page, and we're going to try to get some insights. Before we tell you what we think, let me hear from the audience. How would you improve this particular cart? Audience, uh, often you have great suggestions. Also, it helps us understand how much the audience is learning from our teaching and previous training. All right. Uh, by the way, a quick answer to Matt, yes, you can get this presentation and everybody else who might have that question. It's released on our website, and also it will be part of the Marketing Experiments Journal that goes out every quarter. If you've gotten the journal and you found that useful, please let us know. That is uh, available in a digital format, and it's a printed book. It's a summary of the research for the last three months. Let's keep going. What's the value prop? Someone said larger font size. Someone else said kill click to view, said Justin. Add customer satisfaction, said Marcelo. Richard said, move the checkout to the right-hand side. Tia said, how do we get the journal? Sorry. Too many calls, says Stuart. Bad description, says Dave. I'd make the font bigger, says uh, Mario. And uh, Carlos says, never heard of BottleWise. A well-known trust mark authenticating the site it would be a good point. Those are all good thoughts. Um, let me get some insight from one of our optimization experts. Go ahead, Tony. All right. Thanks, Flynn. Um, I mean, the, the main thing that I see is, you know, you're immediately presented with this big green, you know, swoopy design here that, you know, kind of a breaks up the iPath, and um, that could be a lot better use of that space up there by even moving up all the total products. And the second thing is, you know, really on the 
uh, all the multiple call to actions down below. You got checkout, you have update, you have empty cart, you have back to catalog. You really have to prioritize those. And I like, uh, um, you know, one of the comments that came through was moving that checkout, you know, closer to the price, moving it over to the right side, maybe removing the empty cart, actually putting the update field a little bit closer to the, you know, to the quantity. And there's a whole lot of just open white space right here in the middle of this whole product. Everything's kind of crammed up on the top. I mean, it's a nice image, um, but I think that we could, you know, uh, much more effectively utilize the, uh, the space here. And I would just add to that, uh, uh, in addition to having multiple object objectives on the page, uh, the one key thing to remember are they're, they're equally weighted. So one recommendation that uh, Flynn alluded to uh, in reference to uh, Amazon is, you know, have that one objective, that one primary button you want them to click. Have that different color. Have it larger. Have it, you know, by itself and have the other objectives uh, de-emphasized on the page. Good points. So let's move quickly to the, uh, to the cart page itself. And, guys, let's get your comments on this particular page. Sure, exactly. Well, I'm going to start with the biggest one, which, which is kind of last in the sequence, is, is the button copy. Uh, so it has conflated objectives. Uh, it says... Complete order, click the button that says get shipping rate. Uh, it's very confusing. Uh, it needs directions to explain to the user how to use the page. Anytime you need directions on the page on how to click a button, uh, your page is a little bit too complicated. Um, also, uh, you have your billing address. You may want to have that billing address um, more in the sequence of thought where a billing address typically is when a user experiences a page, which is on uh, the credit card request. Uh, this would probably be a more appropriate time to ask for the shipping address and leave the billing address for the next page. And just one thing that I want to add to that um, is that on this page now we have the billing and the shipping address, but we've lost the product. We don't actually know why I would go to the next page. You know, how much am I going to get billed here? What actually is the product that's still in my cart, which I think is something that's very important to carry through in all the cart process. And we don't even know what step we're on. We don't know how many pages are coming next. Um, the, the disorientation is, is high. And here's the worst thing. To get orientation or to get oriented, you know what they do? They hit the little green arrow at the top of the screen. And have you ever hit that when you're in the cart process? Then they get error messages, there's confusion, and we're losing orders uh, because of the design of the cart. I think that if you were to take the suggestions by Adam and by Tony and, and try to classify them, what we have is there are, there are things on this page that don't belong, and there are things on this page that belong that haven't been added. For instance, the request for the billing address probably doesn't belong, but there's nothing about the value proposition anywhere on the site or on the page. And I could be buying a pair of pliers. It wouldn't matter. I don't know what I'm buying, and I don't know why I should buy it or keep buying it once the process is gone. This is a good example of a tremendous break in the cognitive momentum, and that's what we want to stop. And, and Amy, we don't mean to be harsh. I hope we help you with this. And if you do a redesign, send it to us. And since we've critiqued this, We'll look at it and respond back to you because we want to help you get a win. If you're in the audience and you're listening to this, the goal now is to help you get transferable principles that you can apply in your own optimization efforts. We're going to go to another page. I have a couple of questions I'm going to try to answer, and I promise you this. We're going to take every moment right up to the last second just to teach. Uh, so the goal here is to pack these last eight minutes with as much examples and answers as we can possibly do. Let's move to a new example. I'm going to take about one minute or two minutes to hear from the audience. Quickly tell me how you would improve this page in the cart. All right, I'm watching. I think what I'm looking at right now, here comes add images, says someone. 
No checkout button, says Troy. Horrible colors, says Dave. Dave, tell me how you really feel. Uh, description of products, uh, Tammy. You sound like me, by the way. Better checkout uh, button. Colors are horrible, says Louise. Apparently there's a quorum now. What is the image in the update? No badges, somebody says with an apostrophe. That's an OS. I'm not sure what that meant, but I'm in strong agreement. Uh, security icons, no credibility indicators, add shipping options. All right, let's stop for a second, shift over to the optimization experts. Guys, tell us what you'd do. Uh, I mean, honestly, one of the first things that I would do, you know, you come into this cart page, you've added this product to their cart, and the first thing that I really see is the main menu with all these other kind of distractions and links that, you know, attempt to take me off the site. I don't have any kind of imagery that really tells me, you know, what is getting real results in an e-crazy world coaching. Um, I'm sure that, you know, hopefully they uh, – uh, you know, talked about that earlier in the process, but nothing really kind of draws me to the fact that I've added this to my cart, and, you know, why should I continue going? There's some interesting icons over on the side that I'm guessing means to uh, update, and then this little sphere thing that I'm not really sure what that's supposed to do. And then lastly, you know, the big call-out is, um, you know, your checkout and your continued shopping seem equally weighted. You know, you definitely want people to be uh, checking out on this page, actually make those buttons. People know that they can click them, maybe change the colors, and possibly move continued shopping up to, let's say, the top right of the screen. So, you know, um, it's not kind of competing with the checkout process. Excellent. Adam, you have any thoughts? We have 30 seconds. We're going to keep going. No, keep moving. All right. I'm going to pull up the, the cart page, and it, we've done a lot now in the last minute. We have six minutes left, and we're going to look at this cart, and we're going to look at one more cart before we close if we can go fast enough. But I do think there are at least two questions that have been asked that, that are worth answering, and we have some more that we might have to post on the blog, uh, Austin, that you've submitted that are so good they should probably be answered there. The first one is, would these principles apply to product inquiries, lead forms, like they do in a shopping cart? That was hashtag uh, Jeremy Beckett, in case you guys want to help uh, respond to Jeremy. Uh, what I would say is that they do, but there's also about 15 million. You know, I've, I've said 10, I've said 15. It's probably closer to 20. I don't know the number. million dollars worth of research on the marketing experiment site that you can access for free on this. And there's a lot we've done on lead forms. So type in lead gen, lead generation forms, uh, B2B marketing in the search field and pull up those archives and go through those and they'll, and they'll help you, Jeremy, with your own lead forms. But the principles do have a lot of, uh, uh, I say, a lot of application to what you'd see in a lead gen form. Uh, the second question is, uh, and this looks like hashtag Y-O-G-I-T-Y, if I read it right. It says, what do you do when you have a standard e-commerce system with little optimization flexibility? First of all, I'd like to point out you're the only person in the world that has this problem. And it's just out of the kindness of our heart that we're answering the question. No, it, it's such a good question because so many people have this problem. And what we found is even if you can't fix the flow problem because it takes a while to change the underlying programming, you can still add value proposition information. You can add valuable text. You can typically add uh, credibility indicators, small images. There are things like that you can do. It may not get your cart fully optimized, but it could result in a lot more revenue. And I think you should always test on two horizons, what you can do in the near term and what you want to change for the long term. And you've got to learn to live with the trade-off while you're letting your business grow. Let's move to the next page. And I want to do this one really rapidly so I can get to one more example. I've got five minutes. Uh, and Adam, go. Sure. So... Uh, this is a continuation of, of the previous page, and uh, a few key things to point out are uh, there are different boundaries or directional voids on this page. First, you see the email box, 
and then it's completely separate from the rest of the form request, and there's a line in between. So the first question I ask is, why are they asking for this email at this particular point in time? Uh, so it just causes a little bit of confusion. It, copies, it causes a visitor to kind of stop and question uh, their purchases, purchasing decision. The other thing is, are all of these fields necessary? You ask for phone, mobile phone, and fax. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, a lot of times. I mean, I've had a, I've never had a phone uh, my entire life that wasn't a mobile phone. So just ask for phone. You know, keep it simple. Uh, you know, ask for the minimum amount of fields. Uh, and finally, the 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 box for the terms of service. You're going to want to make that seamless in the process. Right now, it just stands out too much. You know, make it seem like just something that's seamless. It needs to be done near the button, near the last field, uh, get them through the process as, as quickly as they can. I would worry about the left nav. What's it there for? I, I, it, it's, it's too many options to jump off the page before you finish the order. Yes, we like nav, but one of the places we like at least is in the cart. You might have one or two nav buttons that take them back to the main site where they can see everything else, but there's way too many choices on the left-hand side. I'd worry about the SIN registration. <laughs> what does that mean? Are you buying something, ordering something, or have you just signed up for the Reader's Digest Book of the Month Club? I can't tell. Did you, Tony, is that what you were going to say? I'm sorry. I stole, I, I, I stole Tony's thunder. Um, he would have said it better than me, I'm sure. Let me shift to the final slide of this presentation. I have uh, three minutes left, and I have both the, the, the product page and the cart on one side. This is typical of what we see, and may I say gently before the team starts, to coin the phrase that I heard earlier, uh, mentioned by one of the one of our commentators uh, on Twitter and in the Q and A, who is insensitive, it's a horrible page. <laughs> the colors are horrible. Uh, that's not meant to be mean to, uh, to to Jim. It's actually good news. It means we can probably fix some things quickly because there's a lot of changes that could be made here. Go ahead uh, and let me ask the team to give us some feedback. Sure. So. In terms of thought sequence, uh, this page uh, it could, could use some, some revision, uh, to say the least. Um, uh, you really want to know what the product is you're buying and then how, how many of the products you're, you're going to purchase and then the price. This has, has it kind of reverse. And then if you do want to change the quantity, you have to click the, the, the number box and then find where the update cart button is, which is very low down on the page. And, and if I might add, coincidentally, right next to the empty cart button. Exactly. Which, which is an option I really wouldn't want to give. And secondly, I wouldn't want to actively hit it when I was trying to update the cart, but keep going ahead. And then you get to the next page, and it says, Welcome. Uh, this is probably the fifth or sixth or tenth page in the process, but you're, you're, you're giving them a welcome message. Uh, so I'd use that space to uh, notify them what step they're on. This is the last step. Uh, how many more steps they have or even to communicate uh, additional value uh, before they enter in all their uh, other information. Um, and then finally, there, there's a lot of fields on this uh, second step. And all of these fields are, are easy to apply the information, but if somebody glances at this page, there's a lot of perceived, perceived friction rather than actual friction. And that, that's going to be your enemy here. So consider hiding at least one of these sections with that checkbox that uses uh, billing same as shipping. Yeah, the, the guys, honestly, this is a classic example of, of a form that's of a, of a card that really needs help. Even the colors. Uh, I'm looking at it on multiple monitors. When I look at it projected, we can't even read it. Uh, the, the truth is uh, the reverse text on that color is a bad move for a card. Keep it clean, simple, fresh. 
and uh, of course uh, it violates basically every principle that we 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 would teach. And Jim, if you can put together a new version of it and send it to us, we'll be happy to respond to it. It will work for you. I bet it has worked for you. Do you know why? Because it's a poker site and motivation is high. And high motivation will cover a multitude of sins, pardon the pun. But, but, uh, it keeps you from understanding what's wrong in your card and all the people that you're missing with lesser motivation. Back to the conversion sequence, sequels 4M plus 3B, etc., etc. Listen, we're out of time. Um, I want to thank you for attending today. I think that uh, we're learning. Your feedback is so valuable. Your, uh, your Twitter feedback has been very useful to us. We're studying it. We're learning from it. We're also trying to build a community of people who uh, are interested in discovering what works and sharing it with each other. That's what Marketing Experiments is all about. It's why it's part of the McLabs family. We're grateful. All that we ask uh, in return is that if you could uh, tell a friend about us so that we can help more and more uh, of the marketers as we all uh, struggle to learn. Thank you, and we'll be back again in about two weeks with the uh, latest findings from our research. Thank you for listening to this recording of a Marketing Experiments live web clinic. You can sign up to receive invites to future live web clinics, as well as receive access to $10 million worth of Internet marketing research at marketingexperiments.com. Thank you.